Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast from the WBNS FM studios in Columbus, Ohio. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. And here on Nerd Association, we like to... Whatever you're passionate about makes you cool. And that's kind of our our thing here, right? Nerds are just people who are super passionate about stuff. And if you've listened to Nerd Association for any amount of time, you know that I get the loudest and the most vigorous when it comes to talking about uh, one property in particular. So without loud and vigorous, loud and vigorous, the Daniel Barnett story. (laughs) So uh, chops without further ado, what do you think of when I say good soldiers follow orders? Well, I'm going to be honest, not what we're going to talk about today. It's a, it is a line that for me is a bit uncomfortable sounds like something that in history is not always the greatest thing to go by i mean there is some degree where soldiers need to follow orders when there are conflicts and everything but when that is your sole reasoning for doing everything not the greatest mantra yeah so today we're going to be talking about the bad batch which its first season just wrapped up good soldiers follow orders is a line from um, both the clone wars and it comes back in the bad batch and and chops to your point the bad batch kind of uh, examines that line or that idea like what really Mm -hmm. does make a good soldier and you know is a good soldier flawlessly loyal and just takes orders or is a good, good soldier the person who is trying to be a protector, you know, a warrior for good. Who are you really fighting for? And sometimes, you know, thinking about that a little more deeply when you're a soldier, possibly. And of course, that's kind of, you know, with, with the clone troopers in Star Wars, that that has always been the question. And, and you know, in the properties that examine uh, Star Wars Rebels is a really good one, where you have some of the clone troopers who did not follow the Empire, uh, you know, past Order 66, you find them kind of having those conversations. So the Bad Batch examines that question much more closely. Now, we've talked on this show before, of course, about this period and about how the animated shows bolster the movies. I know uh, you have not watched all of the Clone Wars, but I understand that you did catch up on the very ending of the Clone Wars and the very beginning of Bad Batch. Is that right? Yeah, so you uh, suggested to me to watch the last four episodes of The Clone Wars Season 7, which was the final four episodes, and then the first episode of The Bad Batch. And uh, I thought you were kind of just throwing out the random numbers. I didn't realize I was happy with it, but the last four episodes of The Clone Wars is almost its own movie. Yes. It's split up into four parts, and the way you watch it, and you're like, okay, this is... because. I felt after watching it, and even with the Bad Batch episode one, because that one's an hour long, it kind of felt like watching two movies, that there was still more to explore and stuff, but especially with the Clone Wars one, I felt like that could have just been something on its own, and I wouldn't have felt too out of place, at least knowing what I do know about Star Wars. You got, right. you kind of got to know a little bit of what's going on, but those last four episodes, uh, it's like the Ahsoka Tano story, right. so that was cool to me. I really enjoyed that. Well, I mean, it's it's almost as if I curated a viewing experience for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I think the the thing that I'm going to say now is probably true for the whole Bad Batch series, and we'll come back to it. 
you know, the Clone Wars was interesting because the Clone Wars is something that comes up early in the very first Star Wars movie, A New Hope. You know, they talk about mm-hmm. how Anakin fought in the Clone Wars, and for years we didn't know what that meant. Um, and then even when the prequel trilogy came out, obviously we knew we saw the beginning of the Clone Wars and we saw the very end of the Clone Wars. Uh, but but there was this you know gap of three years of storytelling that that was left undone, and so nothing that's, happens in three years of a war. Yeah, Just not skip at all. Over it. So that's where the Clone Wars animated series came in, and then we're not going to talk too in depth about it. But it was interesting that it you know it filled in these gaps. It rounded out Anakin Skywalker, I think, as a character in a way that he didn't get that good kind of treatment in in the movies. You you don't end up after the movies really understanding why he's this war hero and why his fall is quite as dramatic as it is until you see that like he was he was a war hero he helped lead these campaigns he was this brilliant general he had a padawan ahsoka tano who became one of the most important leaders in the rebellion later who was was a great soldier in her own right during the clone wars but maybe is as important as a figure as anakin becomes or even maybe as luke skywalker becomes in sort of building this this rebellion against the empire later as her former master is bolstering the position of the empire Um, i will add though the vibe i got from anakin i don't want to say conceited maybe cocky is the right word but you definitely get that from him and he in those last four episodes that's why i I liked it a lot because it didn't feel like too much of a rehash or things i felt like i already knew because obi-wan and anakin at least in those last four episodes aren't really in it at all they're in the first one and then they're kind of just gone well and that's because they're going off to save palpatine from grievous which is the opening of of revenge of the sith right that's Mm -hmm. that's where you kind of get your time yeah i I caught that the all the mace windu stuff and the 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 attack on my life has left me scarred and whatever like all that stuff and i'm like yeah okay i know that part but here's what was happening elsewhere yeah and obviously you mixed out missed out on you know six and a half seasons worth of television that made Mm -hmm. anakin a more complex character and examined the relationship between him and obi-wan and kind of saw him transitioning from this this uh you know young buck in attack of the clones to a full-fledged like i said a a war hero a hero of the republic yeah exactly (laughs) but i think the thing that the reason i recommended those four episodes to you the reason first of all they're extraordinarily well well made to me they're as good as any star wars is question about it is it meant to be full canon with the movies so are we supposed to believe that darth maul did come back to life or seemingly in the movie universe or are they slightly alternate universe no it's full universe and if you watch all of the clone wars that darth maul plays a huge role in in the star wars universe in that in those you know years and actually maul is becomes leader of mandalore for a time (laughs) and yeah i got i got that a little bit because then we had the uh who was the 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 mandalorian character the red hair bo katan yeah, that had showed up in The Mandalorian, right. and I was like, okay, I know this character from watching The Mandalorian. And and there's yeah. that tie-in that, that Din Djarin, the, we, the one, that, the titular Mandalorian of that series, is following mm-hmm. the sort of cult that was started by Darth Maul. His armor has the same horns on her helmet that Darth Maul had. So there's actually, you know, Darth Maul is still having impacts, you know, beyond Return of the Jedi in this Mandalorian sort of death cult that he creates. Um, that is the opposition to a more sensible Mandalorian rule that Bo-Katan was part of. And just on the the little bit you get of him in those last four episodes and hearing him speak and everything, because he was a mostly 
silent character right. in episode one. So to, you know, hear him talk and everything, it's like, man, not that it would have been good, but probably better if this guy ended up controlling the Sith. But that's just my opinion off of the, the four episodes I saw of it. Maybe he is just as bad as Palpatine. He's he's certainly bad in different ways. He he know, knew what Palpatine's plan was and and tried to stop him or tried to subvert mm-hmm. him and sort of put himself in that position. But that was more of a selfish thing than a for the good of the people. Thing. Yeah, but he did recognize that, like, actually Palpatine slash Sidious, he knew the, the dual identity, right? He knew that they were the one and the same, and he knew that this plan was in, in place and that once, you know, he realized too late he was just an expendable piece, then obviously he tried to stop the Emperor. Point being, go, go watch the Clone Wars, everyone, <laughs> because there's a whole lot of cool stuff that goes on there that is still that still has repercussions on... I mean, Ahsoka comes from the Clone Wars. Bo-Katan, who appears in The Mandalorian, comes from the Clone Wars. I was just going to say, I will add, um, I felt a little bit of resentment, though, because it's like, why aren't these just the prequels? Why isn't this the stuff we got to see in live action? So it uh, gave well, me that feeling... A little bit, but the, the animation style is really fun yeah. and it opens up more things they can do in the, the lightsaber battles. Uh, sometimes it feels like in the movie, the lightsaber battles are, you know, trying to be so flashy and everything. But when you don't have to worry about people actually doing stunts or anything, they can really make these battles something. Because something that kept popping in my head as I was watching uh, Ahsoka Tano and the beginning of the Bad Batch, the, the little Padawan who jumps yeah. over. I'm just like, Jedi would have been great at basketball. Yes. Well, what's it's funny to hear you say that because actually the fight between Ahsoka Tano and Darth Maul is the only time in the Star Wars animated series where they actually did mocap. That fight is actually oh. real people. <laughs> okay. Um, there you go. And in fact, <laughs> Ray Park, who played Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, is the guy who does the mocap for Darth Maul in that footage. So it's the same guy doing the lightsaber moves, which is why it looks so good you know looks so much yeah. like the because as you said the people who were making the clone wars obviously they're closing out seven seasons worth of television and it had been canceled twice and they finally had this chance to finish out the vision dave filoni did and so they did but they also did make those last four episodes kind of like a movie that you could watch between you know to some extent you could watch between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith and it would make things sort of line up the reason yeah, or you could even like you could even like edit it in some ways yeah. while you're watching people have you know, do, do the, it's great yeah <laughs> what's the little you know they love those screen swipes in star wars right. editing so you could easily go between the animation and live action so the reason i had you watch those in conjunction with the first episode of the bad batch is because i and and this is where, where we're kind of circling back the bad batch is fun television if you like star wars you're going to like The Bad Batch because it gives you these sets of stories from the Star Wars world. But by and large, it's episodic. You know, there's the one through line of this character, Omega. But basically, from week to week, there's just, you know, these soldiers turned mercenaries taking jobs and dealing with the sort of repercussions of this fallout. And it's Mm. not that that's not interesting, but what's more interesting in The Bad Batch are the meta narratives the things that it sets up for the broader universe uh, they think the fact that that it starts with another viewpoint of order 66 which you know we order 66 happens in revenge of the sith and people sort of have turned it into its own sort of meme but you got to keep in mind order 66 
is an extermination of a religious and to an extent genetically in you know different group of people like it's right. it's not that different from things that happened in our real world at you know and it's done as a as a sort of political upstart a, a, a rising star in the political world cements himself as emperor of <laughs> this new regime that he's created yeah, we kind of joke about Order 66 sometimes and like you can ask your you know your Google Home to say execute Order 66 and it'll give you uh you know it'll give you a spiel but it's good to remember that this is the most dramatic thing that ever happens in the Star Wars universe until maybe until the second Death Star is destroyed. What I noticed about the Order 66 from the animated perspective was there's something where you can go, well, Anakin turned into Darth Vader and he, you know, he was corrupted by the dark side and Palpatine had infiltrated his mind and he wasn't, you know, and there's some sort of like detachment from it. So when you're watching all the like troopers turn on the Jedi who they were just working hand in hand with, there is like a certain different brutality to it that is a little more uh, you just feel it a little more. I sure. Feel like. But they set it up in the, in the series. The thing that's sad is they set up in the series that all of these clones are built with inhibitor chips that basically, you know, when turned on mean that they have a hard time not following the orders, right? They're, they're mm. sort of mindlessly brainwashed in the same way. The thing that's sad is in the series that comes up several seasons before, like a clone turns on its Jedi general because of an, a, a glitch in its chip. And they find out like actually all the clones have these chips and nothing's done about it because bureaucracy. So even though they find out like, Oh, there's a kill switch in these clones that makes them turn on us. They mm -hmm. just write it off kind of as a fluke because in, you know, the Jedi are their own worst enemies and, and as much the villains in some ways in the, <laughs> in the media. It's like beginning of iRobot when Will Smith right. is like, well, this robot killed somebody. And they're like, they can't. They have rules. Right. Well, not always. Uh, yeah, but sometimes the rules are to kill. And then this, you yeah, know, the, the, case, it's, the clones. It's the opposite, it, but right. it's, it reminded me of No, that. well, I'm just saying, though, it's, your point is well taken. I, I had you watch the end of, of Clone Wars because I think it's just great and you should watch it. And, and it helps you have a little bit more understanding about Ahsoka and Rex and how the Clone Wars looked for the Jedi who got to escape. You know, we did get to see Obi-Wan and Yoda, but it's interesting mm -hmm. to see how these Jedi that escaped end up doing it and how harrowing it is and how difficult it was. And like the fact that when that, that ship went down, Ahsoka and Rex stayed around to give a proper burial to all their fallen comrades. Yeah. Even they, even like picking up pieces of the ship and everything to right. make sure they could put all their helmets up. And, and the last scene with Vader showing up and holding Ahsoka's lightsaber and like the blue blade coming out. And it gives you that sort of duality of like, had he just made a slightly different choice, the end of the war could have come with him still on the side of good. I mean, technically uh, it takes, you know, 20 years or so, but eventually he, it goes to that. Yeah. where he takes the, the, yeah. the different choice and ends the war for good. And then they made three other movies about how, not really, it was just yeah. another bad group of people. The Darth Vader coming in, though, at the end of The Clone Wars, that was really cool. Uh, it, I mean, he's not doing anything, you know, demonstrative or like that, but it sort of reminded me of seeing him uh, in Rogue One yeah. at the end of that. There's just something about seeing Darth Vader, like, in his heyday that yeah. you... You, that registers and For you're sure. like, man, this guy really is imposing and look at him there and yeah, with the blue lightsaber and everything. And so whereas the Clone Wars created these characters that like people ended up really caring about and, and are now getting their own sort of spinoffs, 
The Bad Batch, I don't think is, I mean, they're doing another season of it, but I think it's, the thing that makes it interesting is the ways in which they're introducing this lore into the Star Wars universe. The way in which Mm -hmm. they're, I mean, they give you a different viewpoint of Order 66. That young Jedi that escaped from Order 66 that you see grows up to be one of the characters in Star Wars Rebels. Okay. And and sort of is You've got the you kind of have like the dark trooper introduction yep. with crosshair. That that I that I noticed cuz the dark troopers were in the Mandalorian. But it also starts to explain some of the, you know, the the cloning technology that comes up, you know, eventually Palpatine is this sort of half-failed cloning prog- project and it shows you that this cloning technology that existed on Camino was subverted for this other purpose that, you know, Palpatine wanted to make sure he had backups. That was always his plan, one. And two, that like Galen Erso in Rogue One, the scientist that spearheads the program is there against their will. And in fact, is probably why it never quite worked out because the person who could have made it really happen flawlessly probably built in some defects on purpose. (laughs) <laughs> also, you're probably not doing your best scientific work when you're being forced to against your will. Right. That's probably not the best uh, environment for creating, yeah, the the best scientific breakthroughs. But but I think the fact that like you know this show t- answers the question why were the clone troopers abandoned, and it's I mean it's largely because the Bad Batch is this group of the like the most highly trained clones couldn't be contained. Also, the Empire kind of starts to realize, like, actually, these soldiers are too good. They're too good of soldiers. They are starting to question this change because the Republic doesn't look like the Empire and that sort of strong moral code. We want somebody weak-willed to do our bidding. And, in fact, mm-hmm. the clone troopers, because they're clones of Jango Fett, are not weak-willed. They have, they, even though Jango Fett's principles were, you know, those of a mercenary, of a bounty hunter. He was principled and he was strong-willed, and now these clones aren't doing the job we want them to because we can't manipulate them the same way. So what is it, the, the I guess this would be a little bit of a spoiler, but with the Bad Batch, like, what is the genetic defect? They kind of keep, you know, bringing that up, and clearly there's there's more differences to these Bad Batch clones. You know, you got Wrecker, who is, is huge, and there's, you know, there's different things, but, like, what exactly caused that? So uh, this is covered a little bit in the Clone Wars, because the Bad Batch appears, that group appears in the Clone Wars, and actually I was surprised to see them getting their own spinoff show, because I never thought they were that. I'm glad they did now, but like when they announced, it, I was like, "Whatever, why do I care about them?" No, it was Clone just Force ninety nine. Yeah, it was introduced in the, in the 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 Clone Wars that like this is all you know. The point of the cloning program was to make these exactly replicate soldiers that were all the same mm-hmm. and did all you know knew all the same stuff and acted pretty much the same way and could die without you caring and right. that was just a number. And that Clone Force ninety nine was you know some scientist was like, "Well, what if we what if we didn't." make them all the same what if we could tinker with their genetic code and bring out certain aspects that made them more useful for you know strike missions or whatever you know Mm. uh, clone troopers are being mass-produced troopers are great for big gestalt battles where there's just you can just throw ten thousand of them at something but when you actually need like a strike team you need the you need soldiers with particular skills and you're need- talking about troopers are famously sharpshooters. Yeah. You can just put normal ones out there. Well, there's actually a story behind that too, but <laughs> there's suddenly this realization that like specialization and in fact, the ability to make decisions without a Jedi general 
which is Clone Force 99 never had a Jedi general. The point was mm-hmm. we give them slightly more independence. We tweak these things about their genetic code and they become good for task force type missions. But that also ended up being the reason that they were able to resist Order 66 better, that they, you know, that they were able to sort of make it out on their own and begin to question like, hey, what's, are we really on the good side anymore? The more you tweak the, yeah, the genetic makeup, the less that, the more that they can resist the programming, yeah. I guess, is the idea. The other thing that you missed is, of course, all clones are clones of Jango Fett, but most of the troopers are genetically modified, so they, like, grow, they, they age super quickly. So most of those troopers are, like, eight or nine years old, but they've been genetically modified to grow up super fast. That was something I was wondering. I was like, did they start making these all these guys 30 years ago? Like, or did they just come out full, like as adults? But then, then there was Omega who looks like a child that I saw, well, you know, in the Bad Batch. So, so you yeah, recall from Attack of the Clones that Django Fett asked for an unaltered clone as part of his payment, and that becomes Boba yeah. Fett. So mm-hmm. you you missed this because you didn't watch the whole season, but Omega is also a unmodified clone from Django Fett, but just, well, modified in that female instead of male. But what that means is that Omega is Django Fett's daughter, quote-unquote, which means... And Boba Fett's brother, sort of? Sister. Sister, yeah, yeah, sorry. He would be he would be her brother, yeah. But what that and and in later in the series that you see uh, Fennec Shand, Ming Na Wen's character, like as a really young bounty hunter who's been subcontracted by, they suggest, Boba Fett to go out and find his sister. Which means there's a very good chance that in the book of Boba Fett coming out, yeah, that Omega could be a character. She could be Which there. I believe they've wrapped on just some yeah. behind the scenes stuff. That's what I heard. So that means Mandalorian season three is starting. So get right. excited. A bunch more episodic uh, television yeah. versions of Star Wars is coming. But I, th- so I think that what makes the Bad Batch interesting is giving you another viewpoint on Order 66, answering the question of why the clones are no longer the preeminent force, you know, military force. And also gives us a little bit of a little bit more insight into this cloning program that you know everyone complained about with with um rise of skywalker well this whole palpatine clone thing came out of nowhere the mandalorian has been you know retconning if you want to say setting more of that up in having grogu be abducted in the cloning facilities with dr pershing and now we're seeing the beginning of that program which almost certainly Nala say the the Camino scientist, the cloning scientist, is going to be the one that made that first batch of clones for Palpatine, one of which ended up being his quote unquote son. But mm-hmm. hit her whole thing. Well, and Omega, they hint at the fact that Omega might be force sensitive throughout the show. She never overtly does anything that's like super Jedi like or but but there's this hint that maybe the And thing, Australian or something like that. Well, they're all Australian. Oh, are they? Yeah. I guess I wasn't. I guess I, I guess I don't know. Maybe it stood out more because it was like a a, a female child's voice or something. But I definitely well, it is really really I, Australian. Yeah, Omega. <laughs> yeah, right. One thing I, I this isn't a drawback. I, I have two things. Uh, but this one, since we're talking about Omega right now, I'll throw this one out there. It's not really a drawback, but it's something I noticed. Is it just registered for me? The animation I really like. It's it's really cool. Dave Filoni obviously is a, a mastermind with coming up with that and a, you know a great artistic vision. But mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think it's the blonde hair. 
but Omega reminds me of uh, Arthur in Shrek the Third, which is Justin Timberlake's <laughs> character. And I don't know what it was when I was watching it. I was just like, what character does this remind me of? And then it clicked. And I don't know. What, I, I, like I said, I think it's the hair, but yeah. just for some reason. No, I, 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 can, I can get behind that. I, yeah, I, I think there's this hint that, that Omega might be Force-sensitive, and that might be her modification beyond just being a girl. Because they, you know, obviously they they say throughout the show that like she's one of them. She was created in the same batch as the Bad Batch, mm-hmm. but but they never really say like why, other than just her being female. They never say what her thing is, and yeah. I think that the deal is that she's probably they you found a way to maybe integrate some force sensitivity into a clone, which of course is the problem with the whole Palpatine thing is he has the, the clone that is his quote unquote son. The one that find like is the father of Ray is not force sensitive. And then all these clones that he keeps trying to jump his life essence into keep deteriorating because they don't have a midi chlorian count high enough to handle his wickedness essentially. And that's what they're doing. That's why they're so interested in Grogu. In right. Because he Mid- has this yeah. super high midi chlorian count. Like if they could make a clone or, you know, use that technology and inject it into a, a host, that it could hold Palpatine's life essence. So we get the beginning of that too. There's also the little Easter egg in the final episode of the season that hints at a uh, Palpatine had like basically a Mount, like a Mount doom Baradur sort of thing in his own continuity in the expanded universe where basically all of the Sith artifacts were and his, his cloning program lived and you know, all this sort of stuff. It was his sort of bad home base called Mount mm-hmm. Tantus. There is uh Disney has confirmed or Star Wars has confirmed that Mount Tantus is the sort of where the cloning facility that Nala say is taken to at the end of the series. And so there's this chance that we're going to potentially see some of the offshoots of this like Sith experimentation and then that again that that sort of ties into some of the things from Rise of Skywalker. One of the things that it's covered in those storylines which are part of the th- the th- original Thrawn novels by Timothy Zahn is this idea that when Luke's hand gets cut off in, in Empire Strikes Back, that they make a clone of him, also mm. called Luke, but with two U's. So Luke. And that there's also <laughs> like a, like a, a, an ancient Sith that Palpatine has cloned and is the sort of guardian of Mount Tantus. I kind of doubt those things will be making an appearance, but for everyone who's like, guys, the expanded universe was better. Disney's ruining it all by getting rid of all that stuff. I just remind you that Luke was a thing. And <laughs> to go fly a kite for just for a minute, all the good, all this good stuff from expanded universe is getting reintegrated anyway, but they get to throw out the like crying force sensitive mountain yeah. and the loop. I mean, that clone. would be like saying like all the, you know, all the different things they have in the Marvel comics are good. And it's like, you know, not all of it. Some of it's really right. weird. So it's nice that they're just incorporating the, the, good, the stuff. good stuff and getting it in there. <laughs> and eventually if it's good, I'm sorry, there might be some things people might like that won't get in there. But if it's good, it's most likely being integrated because they are not slowing down with Star Wars products right. at this time. They paid a lot of money for it. They're probably never going to. Right. Well, and so I will say this as sort of my my wrap. Um, if you love Star Wars like I do, then it is certainly worth going and sitting down and watching The Bad Batch because you're going to see stories set in the star Wars universe. You're going to get these little connections. You're going to get to see a few fan favorite characters return. And there are some really cool performances like Rhea Perlman plays a recurring character in this show. Um, I think that's like from cheers. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I think that's, you know, it's pretty cool to have some big celebrity cameos in, in Star Wars media. I think that's neat. So, yeah. uh, and she does a great job too. I mean, I, I knew the voice was familiar, but it wasn't like, it didn't remove my immersion or anything. I just was like, who's, who's that voice? Well, she's got a unique voice that like it, it lends itself to voice acting anyways. Right. Yeah. Not just like somebody's voice. It's yeah. It's not like, uh, I don't know. Rashida Jones just shows up right in an episode. <laughs> yeah. What do you feel like based on, you know, I mean the, the, I know that the end of the clone wars is a different entity from the bad batch, but do you feel like and now having talked about it, a little bit more would you make the time commitment and sit down and watch it or would you just be like yeah actually i got the broad strokes i'm probably gonna let that one sit the clone wars i'm probably gonna let sit it's just a that would be a lot to tackle maybe maybe once the winter hits and you know you're you're inside it gets dark earlier and you got more time in front of the tv and you're looking for things maybe i would get into that but bad batch i think with being just one season pretty easy to to get caught up on that one I think I might I might go for that. One thing I will say about the shows, and it's not something that really draws you out, but every while this happens, there the themes they explore are they can be like viewed in an adult lens, but it's not like inappropriate in any way. And there are little moments where you remember that oh, these are also sort of made for kids. And I got that in the first episode of the bad batch. And they're also trying to introduce characters to anyone, sure. but they say the bad batch, all five of their names in succession twice. Yeah. And I was like, that's a little weird. And then when they're <laughs> like, you're Saul Guerrero, the da, 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 da. And I was like, right. okay, that's like getting people up to speed, but it also seemed a little, you know, for the children to really follow a little bit more, but not a drawback, just something I notice, and you remember, oh yeah, these are for kids too. Right. Well, and for people who aren't necessarily, you know, the, the thing about now in the Disney Plus streaming era, Disney's not dumb. They're making this Bad Batch cartoon knowing that you're going to have some questions afterwards and that it's just going to make true. you go watch the Clone Wars from start to, you know what I mean? They're just mm -hmm. making media now that encourages you to go back and watch old media for some of those questions. But some of the time they're just giving it to you on a, a lore dump and just saying, here, remember Saw Gerrera, this leader <laughs> yeah. from this planet who knew this guy and did this thing? They almost they almost need like VH1 pop-up video for yes. these Star Wars shows. <laughs> it pops up and it's like, Saw Gerrera was in this and then, you know, and then it goes away and you're like, oh yeah. Honestly, as a premium feature, I think there are people who would really dig that because it's like having yeah. that nerd friend that sits, sits next to you and you're like, wait, who's that? And they're like, oh yeah, actually it's this. It's Well, it's me. Disney, you should pay me <laughs> <laughs> to to like record commentary like i'm the friend sitting next to the person being like yes this character you'll remember did this thing prime here's why sort of does important. that yeah with the, the lens ever, yeah yeah yeah, I've yeah used that. the imdb thing and mm -hmm. it'll show it so if you hit pause you can see here are the actors here are the characters and sometimes it'll have a little like trivia yeah next i think so that's that great kind of, i think helpful, more shows yeah. i think more shows and movies should do that i think it's really good and they'll have to do that for the not to to sidetrack us, but for the Amazon Lord of the Rings series, they're <laughs> basically they should just have like Silmarillion reference on like you can turn on that HUD to yeah, overlay and I, just be like this character is from this thing and this person is the great great grandfather of this character and well they're gonna have to hire that actual like tolkien historian because right. i don't think they can just get an intern to figure all that out on <laughs> no, their own that's, that's correct they just fill this out for us yeah Anyway, uh, Star Wars nerds, watch The Bad Batch. If you aren't that big of a Star Wars nerd, but you like to follow the main stuff, you, now you know what you missed, and that, that's going to inform you going forward. So 
we've talked a lot about like expanded universe. We've, we've talked a lot about sort of like the clone wars and that if there's stuff from the deep cuts of the star Wars universe that you want to hear us talk about, let us know. I'm always up for that episode. Even if chops is rolling his eyes right now, you can let us know that by uh, going onto Twitter, find us at handle nerd That's N E R D underscore a S S O C. Or you can reach out to us via email nerd at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about, or you can even come on and be one of our nerds. Thanks for staying tuned. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.